Linux OTC. Welcome to episode 15. We're your hosts. I'm Bill. I'm Norbert. I'm Leo. Here we are again. After a short hiatus, uh, happy to be back, I suppose. I'm always happy. Leo's always happy. Bill, you face. always sound happy. Just listen to the guy. Listen to him. The I'm... happiness just oozes. Is it catchy, though? I mean, is, is, is it getting across? Is uh, other people feeling it? I don't know. I'm. I, oh, right, right. You know. Right into the show. Let us know. Does Bill's happiness rub off on uh, you speaking, and then the rest of your day is just like I'm so happy. I would like to know, yeah. I'm so happy. Or does my happiness come across as manipulation and uh malcontempt? Yeah. Speaking of writing into the show, we do have a little bit of uh feedback I want to get into real quick. Um and this is from uh NPR fan who emailed the show. Uh sh- show at uh no, Linux. Wait, yeah, show at linuxotc.org. See, Help we've been here, gone guys. so long, we don't even know what the email address is anymore. <sighs> I don't even know how to podcast anymore. I don't even know if any of this stuff's really working. It's all lit up, so hope for the best. Cross your fingers, uh, wrote, everyone. Yeah, cross your fingers. He wrote, just wanted to thank you for working for free. <laughs> thank Leo for fixing his audio level. I wanted to complain like that other guy who downloads the MP3 and decided it would be rude. Wasn't even me. To do so. So since I benefit from this premium knowledge for free, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to keep a straight face. Uh, I promise to pay you as soon as I find a gift card that Patreon will accept. That was a good introduction to the immutable OS concept. Don't tell anyone because it's embarrassing, but I basically use Git as a file system from NPR fan. Um and this was back in June fourth, so if that gives you any indication, as and we to how didn't good cover I this one, I feel like we the... covered this one. Well, uh, I wanted to bring it up because it's been kind of ongoing. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, he wrote again. He, she, they. He uh, wrote again uh, on June thirtieth. Dear podcasters, enclosed is a hundred fifty dollar Chipotle gift card I bought at Safeway a few hours ago. Please keep up the good work. Try not to spend it all at the same place and times so it yeah, lasts I was gonna say. long. It lasts longer than a head of lettuce or a British prime minister. <laughs> They're going, they're going uh, through it right now. I, I get yeah. it. Yeah, and he he actually did send us a... Uh, have you used any of that yet? I have not. Not yet. I haven't either. You would you would yep. think so. I was a little late to the show today. <laughs> you would think so. <laughs> you, you got a hold of something that didn't. But didn't I did not. It was not Chipotle. <laughs> Do you have Chipotle in, in uh, mm, Hungary? No. Okay. No. Well, then... That. We don't have Chick-fil-A. I'll, we don't have Taco Bell. <laughs> Um, Even if we did have Chipotle, they probably wouldn't accept a, a U.S. coupon. That's true. I wonder. It's not a coupon. Is it? You're not getting 10% it? off. You're getting 100% off. Oh, okay. It's worth 150 <laughs> bucks. I mean, he sent us a $150 Chipotle. Chicken. All right, hold on. What is what is the chain? Like, what is the chain in Hungary? 
well, if you asked that 10 years ago, I would have probably said McDonald's, but nowadays KFC has come up pretty nice, so... Really? Probably them. Uh, third one that's about is Burger King, and I think that's the only three that, I, that are uh, originate from the US that I can think of. Oh, no, 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 but like... In, like, Anything hum, good? Yeah, like, what's local that's a chain that's good? Well, they probably, have, well, when you say chain, that... More than one location. <laughs> yeah, more than one location. What I noticed about Europeans in general is they don't eat out as much in the way that Americans do. Oh, right? I don't eat out they pretty much ever, really. They give their food a little... They give their food more dignity. They're more yeah, in we have, sitting we at home a, with family. We have a few that are very local, so probably just yeah. uh, confined to the capital, they maybe have two locations, so we don't really have uh, franchises. Yeah, well, much. like around here, we have an Alfredo. There's like four of them here, uh, and then there's a few in towns around us. Um, You've got stuff in Texas that we can only dream about in Indiana. It's, it's pretty amazing. The food is pretty amazing. We, there are other issues, but the food's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny it. Well, his uh, second letter goes on to say, "My qu- a question for Bill, my friend who works at a truck repair company is a service manager. He speaks of a class of people that bring their truck into his shop for repair, and they get refused because the cab has a hole going down to the street." The driver uses the hole to no. expel their excrement. No. So they don't have to stop driving, allegedly. I think this is BS. That would make the most disgusting mess. Is this really a thing or is my friend trolling me? Um the the hesitation tells me all I need to know. So, well, the reason I'm hesitating is because this is difficult because this this job of mine is one of those lines of work that is full of all kinds of legend and lore. Well, let me, There's let me all just, these crazy b- stories. Before you get into the truth of it all, uh I I am almost 100% sure Peterbilt does not put that in no, the cab no, the, stock. Like, that's an aftermarket. He's talking about something <laughs> that somebody would make with a right, drill right. or a sawzall that uh, they would cut the hole. And yes, if you cut a hole in the floor, you've got to... This is this is what we, we like to call an aftermarket accessory. So there are these there are these rather prolific stories on the road that you will hear in many, many different places across the entire country, you know, in this line of work. And there's, I'll go over three very popular ones. The one, the first one I like to call the nine foot state trooper. There's a story going around about a state trooper that'll pull you over in Mississippi and other stories put him in other places, but he'll walk up to the side of the truck and look you dead in the eye. Now, in order for that to be possible, the guy would have to be nine feet tall, and that's one. That's one story. Or yeah. on stilts, he could be a clown, like yeah. clown by day, officer by night. You know. And you've got you've got another story. Let's see. 
You've got you've got a lot of stories like that, and this is one of them where you, you'll hear mechanics talk about, yeah, I knew this guy cut a cut a hole in his floorboard so that he could just go going down the road, you know. And I, I can tell you, I've been driving for thirty years, and I've never actually seen anything like that. And I've had to go get some pretty trashed trucks that people have abandoned well, on the road. Well, we have things. those in Linux too, right? There's this legend that. Uh, there are people, like a group of people, that will uh, not only kind of hodgepodge an entire Linux system together, but they'll compile everything. Like, I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't actually believe it. Uh, it's, it's crazy, Way man. out there, dude. I don't know. Never seen it. There's this group of people that use this thing. I think it's called Slake, Slack. Slack. Uh, no, that legend I just, is true. Slack, that legend I just, is me. Slackware. I just chirruted into my gentle install. <laughs> and I actually did. Well, that is now a compile a kernel than Go. you. Yeah, I have compiled a kernel because otherwise my trackpad wouldn't work under Gen two for some reason. See, see, yeah, the legends are true, uh, man. As, as there was as once for the cutting hole in the floor of the truck. I would have probably said that I think that's that's not true if it wasn't for the fact that sometimes I still encounter old uh, train car, uh, cars here that are still uh, carrying people where you look down into the toilet and you see the rails. No, really? Yeah, yeah. I think a couple of them are I've still... I've heard of those. It's just a moving outhouse. Yeah, it's 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 very <laughs> yeah. it's 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 very much rare, but I think I've seen one of those in the past five years or so. So wow, I think airplanes have those, don't they? Do they just do they, or do they jettison it out yeah, the rear I, end or something? I think for airplanes that are like uh, eight miles in the air, it might not matter right. because you know. So by the time it hits you, it's going about what? What's terminal velocity I mean, for? Uh, yeah, a lot for ice. <laughs> For ice cold urine, <laughs> a lot. Oh. I feel like uh, maybe over the ocean, but nowhere else, right? Surely, because there's <laughs> people everywhere else. But if you're flying, okay, when you expel the excrement, the excrement, at least for a moment, is going the exact same speed as the aircraft that expelled it. So, how accurate can you predict where said excrement is going to fall pretty pretty accurate i feel like i mean we we have invented bombs somebody wrote a program somebody wrote a pearl script or something to figure out where the urine is going to land on the on the planet if it's not automated by now i feel like uh where what are we doing I, I think planes might have more space to store that stuff than than trains so do. Tank. Right. Well, yeah, because what? But, the, the, I mean, obviously the trains do. like 14 hours or something, right? Surely. I you have to remember so. that people board. So some if someone uses a, the toilet and uh, there's a tank, you don't. The, the overall mass of the plane doesn't change. <laughs> well. Um, I feel That's like we should. Point. I feel like we should move on. Matter uh, yeah, this, be this is a from, this from is this a, topic, <laughs> and I wouldn't be mad if you just cut the whole thing out. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. We did at oh least, boy! We did at least manage manage to put one Linux reference in there. So we it's, are it's we are not just... living up to that gift card, y'all. Uh, okay, so he went on to write. Probably won't make it to Mintcast Discord channels at all this weekend to explore slash get as a file system. 
My boss wants me to figure out how the hell a gang of tables are related to each other so we can provide a vendor an appropriate spreadsheet to save a bunch of money. Need to do the best I can and hopefully make sense of it by Monday. Well, the answer is AI. You ask ChatGPT. ChatGPT, yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like it would come up with at least a couple of good, you know, plausible solutions. And you just present those straight to your boss. And I mean, hey. Fake it till you make it. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. I'm I'm upgrading Gen 2 if I'm already here. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a useful thing to do. <laughs> okay, and it's I'm already done. Me and Gentoo, basically, I I just chirrut into it and tinker with it. And I don't even boot it. I think I booted it twice to make sure it works. You know, so I, uh, I, over the <laughs> uh, over the past couple of days, I helped someone uh, chirrut into their forgotten password system and reset a password, which is not you know not not hugely technically an achievement or anything like that, but. Uh, yeah, you said Chirrut, and it just reminded me of that. And it was kind of nice. Yeah. On Arch, it's Arch Chirrut. Yeah, but I looked at just the source for Arch Chirrut, and it seems to be doing a lot more things than what I do, because uh, my knowledge of Chirruting is from the Gen 2 wiki, where it's, it lists the directories you have to uh, bind mount. And I do that, and then I Chirrut into it, and it works. I've only ever actually used Arch Chirrut to... Uh, when I'm doing the from scratch install, because it seems to, I don't know, it seems to have scripts that mm-hmm. help when you're doing the install and all that. And whenever I've had to cheroot after that. See, that's why that Arch word, is too cheroot. easy. It is now. With the Arch install script, it's easier than Red Hat now. Yep. So, which kind of, I'm really kind of surprised something like Arch would go with something like that. But anyway, well, hold on. I've one never, more letter I've from... never used the installer. What, what do you? What makes you say it's easier than Red Hat? Is it a GUI? Not a GUI, but it's a step-by-step. You go down the list and you just tell it the things you want. It's easy to me. That sounds like because... Slackware. Wait, are you talking about the Arch install? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the... And it speaks, it speaks ButterFS correctly. Like Fedora ButterFS. Oh, that's uh, nice. My only which, which is kind of nice. My only complaint about the OpenSUSE installer, which I like, is that it doesn't. I can't do. There's no way to do custom ButterFS subvolumes. As in, not not nested, unnested subvolumes. Oh, so any installer that I've can do never, that, I appreciate. I've never tried to go outside of in except you know just for the installer. Uh, once I get it installed, then if I want to make other sub volumes and that, then you know I've I've done that in the past. But I'm just happy that it actually puts home and at home and root and at root. You know I don't really need at var at user or any of that other stuff. It does, but it does it. So why not? You know, um, yeah. The way OpenSUSE which, does sub volumes is very different from anything I've seen. Because, you know, usually you would have a root subvolume and a home subvolume or yeah. and maybe create subvolumes for stuff that you want to exclude from snapshots, for example, slash root or varlog and things like that. What OpenSUSE does is it creates a root subvolume and then it creates a bunch of subvolumes inside that. And there, there are numbered subvolumes for snapshots. So if you... Upgrade your system, it creates a new snapshot. And these snapshots are just code one, two, three, four, some 
and etc. And when you boot into the system, what gets mounted is the latest one of these numbered snapshots, and not just the the root snapshot, the root uh, right subvolume. Yeah. And there's a butterfs function where you can set a default subvolume. So when you go and mount a butterfs partition, and you don't specify the subvolume, you just mount the root, and you open it, and you see the list of subvolumes. Because the default subvolume is just the root of the partition. But if you have yeah. set a default uh, subvolume that is not the root, when you just mount it without specifying any subvolume, the default subvolume gets mounted, which is very interesting because the first time I installed the uh, Tumbleweed and I mounted the partition under a different, uh, I was booted, I was booted into Fedora, and I didn't see any subvolumes. I just saw the root file system because the number one uh, snapshot, which is a default, was mounted by default, and uh, the way I have. Uh, I have a very, very much botched installation of Tumbleweed because I wanted to have the classic uh, Fedora style layout. So I ended up uh, doing a bunch of uh, butterfs send and receive and editing f steps so I can have uh, set it up the way I want. That, so but I, that doesn't break the. I mean, I guess it would break the default snapshotting stuff. Yeah, but I didn't check. I unchecked the enable snapshotting during the installation, oh. which is a handy thing that you can do. So I can just use my own bash scripts. Uh, I just my script is literally called do a snapshot. So I type sudo do a snapshot, and it does a snapshot. And if there's more than ten, it just removes the the oldest one. Hmm. Is it do a snapshot all one word? All one word, yeah. Well, I yeah. don't. Why? Uh, when would you need to do a snapshot outside of updating? Uh. It just seems just, like an extra just, step to me. Yeah, I just I just like to give it a Some funny people name. just enjoy oh, that's cool. playing around yeah. with ButterFS. Yeah, right. well, yeah. that, and that's totally cool. I, I can get behind well, that. But I, I'm, I'm an easy kind of guy. I want it to I, be easy, yeah. and I want to have, yeah. to have to think about it. So when I do my zippered up, yeah. uh, I don't want to have to realize later on, yeah. that, oh, I forgot to do my snapshot. Yeah. I'm just happy when I've got a distro that knows... When I create a root directory, if I'm if I choose ButterFS, if I create a root directory, make me a root subvolume. If I cre I create a separate home directory, or in a you know make me well, just make me the the basic subvolumes because from there, once I've got all that mounted, then I can make the other yeah. stuff that I want to make. You know, if if it's all just mounted in root, then it's I've got to I've got to run something else and then mount that file system and then create all this stuff and copy it over and all that. That's garbage. not fun to you, you know. No, that's not fun to me. <laughs> and then you go to boot it back in and you always forget one stupid thing on the F tab, you know. And recovery and, uh, mode. Right. So when you've got a distro that does the you know at least the basic things to get a ButterFS install working, then uh, you know that's I appreciate it. So. But, but on Mint, yeah. we've got uh, we got time shifts, yeah. so we don't need any of that ButterFS nonsense. I mean, exactly. if you if yeah, but you, if you if you go ButterFS on the install, you can still do snapshots through time shift. I have not yeah. tried ButterFS on Mint. I don't know if it actually no, creates sub volumes. No. And uh, it's like the the root and one other, maybe home. I can't remember. But be, uh, you get see two. if it does that and it's mounting it that way, then that's that's good enough for me. Well, it's it's whatever can, Ubuntu does because Linux there. Mint doesn't technically support it. So it's whatever the Ubuntu installer does. Uh, if that's good I'm enough, not tried for it you, on that then, either. I mean, it would be fine in Mint. I am using uh, 
time shift with ButterFS on Fedora. I've never actually tried it without ButterFS. How does it do the snapshotting then? R-Sync. No, so not, not in ButterFS it doesn't. It uses ButterFS. No, that's what he's yeah, saying. But if, if, he, if you are if not he... in ButterFS, how does oh, it... Oh, then he's right. Backup? R-Sync, yeah. So it just yeah. uh, copies your entire route into a different place? Yeah. Well, or... yeah, on, onto you, another hard you make exceptions. Okay. Oh, okay. So I mean, basically you can, just... You can make mm. it on the same disk, but that kind of defeats yeah. the purpose of a backup, right? It, it's not like a one-for-one one copy. It's just a... It's only a one-for-one one copy, mm-hmm. or it's only it only adds to your file system if you start deleting stuff. So it's a lot like a ButterFS uh, snapshot, except it's done with rsync, and it's and it's a hard. Are there deltas? Do I don't think there are deltas in the. I, I've not seen a one-for-one one copy anywhere. I mean, it's ex- the way it's explained. Let me see here. I yeah, should you really dig start... that up because I thought. <laughs> Uh, it was it was a one to one backup. It was just and then after that it was just files that have changed. So not like parts of files that have changed, but I think the file that has changed. So you have I've got seven backups yeah, on. So here, you can essentially so. version. So like the first one is a full backup, is like the files, and then the second one is just the files that changed. So they got tags for O. They got O tags and D tags. Does it use a Merkle tree somewhere in there? You can double click on it, I think, and it opens up the file, like the the folder directory, and you can browse. Browse files. Mm-hmm. All right. So snapshots. Now, because rsync does versioning, but it doesn't do deltaing that I know of. Maybe it does. Yeah, because these these folders have no, they've got no real size to them. Yeah, so nothing changed. Um, and and so when I say deltas, I mean like instead of it well, backing no, up the text on. file that you like, just the changes in the text file that you changed, it backs up the text file, the whole text file. So that is not a delta; it is just a new versioned copy of that file. Now, ButterFS can I do take deltas. that back. Now, I'm looking at the file size for the slash time shift slash slash snapshots. Yeah, the first one should be directory. big. The second and third and fourth and fifth should and not be. And it's I'm at nine point nine gigs right now, and it's climbing. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, it's I mean, the system plus the gigs. changes. I'm gonna do a little cleaning. <laughs> don't. I don't, don't think do I, it. Why? Don't. No, stop it. This because is this there's... is like system bloat. Stop. Stop that. Stop thinking about that. It's not an bloat? issue. What are the settings? Right. Well, I, mean, I don't know. If you could, if there are some folks that are going to be like, oh, why do I have seven copies? Let's go deleting everything and then try to clean up bloat. Okay, when it's... You're just hurting yourself. It's set to keep five dailies. I like to uh, differentiate bloat from bloat. Bloat that sits on your disk but doesn't use resources is... Is is different from bloat that runs in the background. That, for example, when I did a clean GNOME install, uh, you know, there's the the file indexing for the search, the tracker miners. Those were taking up a surprisingly that's large not bloat, amount that's of spyware. That's, that's yes, well, n- malware. Well, it it's a bit unfortunately named because you see tracker miner and you're like, oh wait, there's there are 
someone is mining crypto on my system, there's a track. No, that's just that's just what GNOME calls their uh, file indexing for their search. But the thing is, I don't ever use the GNOME shell search for files. So I just go into the settings and disable the the file indexing. It's still installed, but it's Why? not taking any CPU cycles. Why? So it's it's well because I don't use it for files because I know. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, like, but that's what I mean. <laughs> you you think about it too much. You're thinking about it too much, and, yeah. and things that aren't really bloat, that aren't really doing anything, that really tend to work. And I mean, dude, that that process runs with with a niceness level that will never impact your day to day. You will not oh, notice it running okay. in the background, okay. and like. All of this stuff. So I agree with you on the libraries and things like that. Just, you know, things that are on your disk that never get brought up. But why is it bad? If if the libraries are chucked into RAM, why is that bad? Well, Unused RAM is wasted RAM. Yeah, it's cliche yeah. and everything at this point. But seriously, why is it bad? Well, I guess one thing that I really care about on my laptop is battery uh, life so if it doesn't drain the battery i guess it doesn't really matter but how me. many how how much does it drain your battery to put 64 kilobytes of a library inside of ram and will that make it a noticeable impact on your four to eight hours of whatever you get battery life i feel like it's not noticeable yeah like not yeah. not even in the realm of noticeable like we're talking milliseconds well, of battery time here but if you just get in the habit of letting it go, though... Oh, no. I You've can, lost I can six see the value minutes of, of battery life, Bill. Six minutes. However yeah, will know, you get your work like done in you, that day? If you never pay any attention to these these things, though... Then your life can, would be when... good. And you wouldn't spend time trying to de-bloat a system that doesn't need it. Well, you know, that might be some wisdom in all there that. There is Sometimes. some wisdom you, in all that. Sometimes deep bloating is fun. That's no, no, why no, no. If yeah, deep that, bloating is a thing you, that you want, then you need to be what building you just said from is perfectly Arch fine. or Gentoo. Yeah, that's why. Seriously, that, and we do. That's why I have my Gentoo installation. And that's just totally cool. With it. You just never add the stuff that you would consider bloat. That's fine. But because you consider things bloat, like the indexer, you're making your life hard. It's not bloat because you know bloat is subjective. That's my go to that's my that's my opening line whenever I talk about bloat. And well I guess that is a bad example because it, like you said it doesn't That's the name of this episode, by the way. Bloat is yeah. subjective. <laughs> yes, but uh, Done. that is okay. bloat is what I say it is. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. So here's an example where I so I mentioned OpenSUSE's installer and that I I would like if it uh, if it had ButterFS uh, custom subvolume layout capabilities. The other thing that I find a bit uh, annoying about uh, OpenSUSE is that I I don't I haven't tried it with Plasma, but if I select GNOME, uh, the GNOME package selection is very much a kitchen sink uh, package selection on OpenSUSE because if I select GNOME, it will install a bunch of games that not even Fedora comes with by default. And did did, did will... the games hurt you? No, but I don't want them when I open my application grid. I don't really want them to be there because why? It's harder to find. You stuff. wouldn't want to just I, I could just put them PDA into games. Yeah. What do you mean? It's do you actually thumb through the menu? 
Like the no. applications lit. No. I, what? What do you mean? It makes it hard. What? <laughs> Harder to find what? I'm trying to think of more <laughs> there generally. There is nothing. I, what? 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 Norbert is trying to describe is this, and it's not really behavioral. Yeah. It's this need for there to be order and yeah. for That's things it. that not that don't have a direct use in your life should not be there. It's Marie Kondo. Have you heard of Marie Kondo? Yes, but that's she said, also Get rid overboard. of all the things you're not using because it's, no. it's weight on your soul, Leo. No, it's not. These things are weighing down your soul, Leo. Be happy. No. That's not weighing down <laughs> it your is. soul. It is. This is like 60 grams, dude. Luigi weighs <laughs> approximately 60 grams. And Marie yeah, would have me get rid of it. Will your battery last longer if you didn't have that 60 You grams? know what? You're probably right because when I put him on the laptop, the laptop heats up. It makes the battery less efficient. So it is, <laughs> right? But at this point, I'd rather have Luigi and just enjoy my life as opposed to being extreme minimalist and spending hours. I would rather have. I think some people some people can do that and some people just right. can't. Right, and, some and people, you know, this is what Norbert was saying, that to... it's subjective. Bloat is yeah. subjective, but so you shouldn't you shouldn't feel bad if you need to get rid of it. And you should if feel you're gonna bad Marie you Kondo your system, care. maybe Marie Kondo your free time too, and stop wasting time trying to debloat a system <laughs> and go for that hour. These things go take a walk, dude. Take some go take a deep breath while you're walking around. <laughs> Not in Texas got... because it's 108 degrees outside, but I mean. Not when, hungry, the, when the sun goes down, <laughs> you go take a walk when you would normally got, be debloating. I just got home from a walk before five minutes before we started. See? But the thing is that <laughs> I, I I don't debloat because I'm I'm not going to install Fedora and remove packages because that's I like. You were just describing unchecking boxes and open source. You debloat. Yes, but that is before the installation. The installer starts uh, copying packages. Which is a way better approach than installing your system and then removing packages it's a middle ground. that I'll were give you that. that were pulled as a dependency by a Fedora package group. Yes, because we've all had that situation where we tried to get rid of this silly thing that we never use, and everything, and it seemed like the entire system was depending on it. You go to try to, I don't know, what's something that and that, and that just is a common trope. That, that, is a, you, that is a very common yeah. thing in Linux, and it's because yes. of this need to debloat. And it's useless need. It's useless need. If build it the way you want it, or just leave it alone. The thing is that I do that with Fedora, because the archway has stuck with me. So when I install Fedora, yeah. I just do the. I just with the red installer, I just choose minimal system, and That's then I install fine. whatever I need on top of that. Yeah. That's so fine. I, I, but you know what? I guarantee you, if you actually look through every single package that comes in with minimal, you'll find something that you don't need. I guarantee it. So, mm -hmm. did you really? And if you try to uninstall it, it'll destroy your system. <laughs> system D dependent on that man. Ripped out system yeah. D. Hope you got to run it back it's, there. It's like a basket. It's interwoven together. So yeah, the epitome. It's, it's probably best, you know, that you do not. If you try, if you once you get it installed, just leave what came with it alone if you can. Not, not, not because you know, it'll that, break your system, but because it will free up time in your life. Like, yeah. you can actually yeah. do something with the system as opposed to tinkering with the system. I mean, there, there are folks that but just... tinkering with the system is is one of those things people enjoy right. doing. Right, and I, I totally get that. If, if you're tinkering for the joy of tinkering, you're, you're kind of exempt from this. But people get this little bug 
that that is like, oh, my system takes up 4.8 gigabytes on my system. It probably shouldn't. I bet I could get <laughs> it down to like 3.5. And but why? Why? On a on a 256 gig SSD, right? I mean, I, I feel like we're well beyond that as a standard size, right? We're we're up to yeah, a terabyte and, now. Yeah. But you know, on a 256 gig SSD, I feel like really? Like that's what I have we, in my laptop because that's what it came with it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's not, and that's pretty standard nowadays. Yeah. And a lot of people are still having those conversations and if I really cared about, about freeing up. If I cared about Windows, how much maybe. my system, yeah, Windows. If I cared about how much <laughs> my system takes up, I probably wouldn't have Fedora and OpenSSO installed. So, right. Right. So that's not yeah, a concern I mean, that's, for you. That's the reason we yeah. make these shows. You know, we we enjoy tinkering with these things. We enjoy uninstalling a game and see if they, seeing if it no, wrecks no, no, your no. entire GNOME see, shell. Y'all might. I, I enjoy I don't tinkering <laughs> with applications that live on top of the system. I'm not worried about the system. Oh no, Ubuntu comes with SnapD. Oh, speaking Just don't use of, it. of applications, applications on top of the system. So I started tinkering with. Uh, DistroBox today at the oh, behest of your last episode. Eh, you say excellent. It's it's interesting. I what I wanted it for was if I if I wanted to use a stable base system, but I had the occasional itch to install something from an Arch repository. Well, what, you know, I could run. What an, bloated stable base did you install? Well, right here on me. Oh, okay. Well, very um, bloated then. I didn't say bloated. I just no, no. It, I said bloated. I, but I mean, come on. According to the people that are trying to trim I, that I size tried. down, it's bloated. It came. It comes with Warpinator, dude. You don't need that. Throw it away. Yeah, I've never been able to get that. To <laughs> oh, work. come on. But it's a. But the other reason I liked it is because it runs on Docker, which I've I've always wanted to make as much use of Docker as it's as not Podman by default. And this. No, it's it, well. It's whatever you install. If if you've got Docker installed, I just, I just apt install uses Docker. Distrobox. What is it? So it comes with Docker when I do that. No, you've got to choose one. So did you already have Docker? I don't installed? remember. I didn't pay attention to the bloat. <laughs> so I don't know. I installed Docker first. So I maybe if you don't specify, okay. then it'll go and get Podman. I, I don't know. I feel I'll have like to try Podman that. was the choice for me. Uh, it may be different on different uh, systems, but I think it was Podman. I don't open SUSE if I don't specify it will pull Docker, but if I install Podman and then install uh, this Dropbox, then it will just use Podman. Interesting. That's interesting. It's on. Yeah. It's on the system. Hold on. Okay. On Fedora, I'm just maybe, using maybe we'll Podman because because a Fedora repo I think doesn't have Docker at all. I wonder though if you had both of them installed and you wanted to be able to choose between one and the other, how you could do that, but. That might be a little bit deep in the weeds. I better be careful typing this password in uh, next to the microphone because apparently, did you hear about this? AI, uh, 95% accuracy. Whatever you type on the keyboard, all it has to do is listen. <laughs> 95% accuracy, dude. This is, this is better than shoulder surfing. It's amazing. You just walk around with a recorder and hear everybody's Yikes. like in, in an open air cubicle kind of area, dude. You would just have them all. Because AI would be able to differentiate someone over here versus someone over there, and then when you isolate those keystrokes, you can you're just pulling passwords left and right. Fantastic. Mm. Is that Debian? You know it is, man. That's it's now this is a bloated stable base right here. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I actually 
shifted. Oh, the suspense is killing me. I actually shifted over to using uh, the Nix package manager on top of a non-Nix OS system. So right now I'm, I have it on on OpenSUSE, which is really nice. I, I basically I use Nix as a quote unquote flat pack for the terminal. Because if if I just need something that is just a terminal command that doesn't have to run in the background, I just run it from time to time. I will just and it's not in the repos. I just nix install it. Hmm. Now, you know, that, that's actually uh, okay, I like that. Um, Distrobox yeah. can do command line stuff though, right? Yeah, but you know, mm-hmm. Distrobox requires containers. Uh, requires you to set up a container separately, update the container to. Uh, Start the container, stop the container. Nixo has uh, the Nix package manager. I think it also does some level of uh, containerization. I think it well, just sort of more like yeah. a containerization, just uh, in a directory somewhere else. Name yeah, so w- with a it, very unique name that will never be overwritten by another yeah. very unique. And then name. with Distrobox, you can you can export that application yeah. out of the Distrobox. Well, so it even can with Nix as well, right? Seemingly transparent. Nix is just a configuration file, so you can take those configurations and move it over to another system. So, I mean, easier, right? Because you're just talking text files with Nix. Yeah. I, that might be the next thing. I, I don't right? think I actually had to touch any Nix config files for the package manager. I just installed the packages. No, it only, Yeah, it, only if you want to move it. Yeah, it, it builds its own environment, and there's a bin folder bin directory that it symlinks its uh, binaries into and then appends that to the front of your path. So and the then... reason why I chose DistroBox over something like Nix was because in... Uh, well, let me ask you this, Norbert. Do you, have you installed Firefox through Nix? No. Okay. Um, I only use here, it for the CLI stuff. Here's, here's a challenge for you, uh, if you'll accept it. Install Firefox in Nix and find out if it can uh, do streaming sites. Like, does it have H.264, H.265 built into the browser or not? Uh, because the, the thing that I found with DistroBox is that uh, I, I needed Firefox on Debian. There's only ESR. No. Uh, so Sid. I was... Uh, yeah, but Sid still has ESR. They don't have regular Firefox, do they? Yeah, regular. they do. The, what version yeah. is it? I think it was edit. I, I yeah. let me check. Yeah, I can go to. We can go to packages.org. I love that website. Packages at debian.org oh, is what I am. By the way, if you're listening to this and you want to know a package on any distribution, any popular distribution, go to pkgs.org. Those guys um, basically find out that answer. You type in the name of the package, it will show you. And the coolest thing. Oh my gosh, they've got all dude, of the distros but, on but here. But the reason I'm bringing this up is Lots because they do this for free. Go give them a dollar. With a lot it, of is, ads. it is worth <laughs> your time to give those guys a dollar or two here and there. Click on every one of these ads. Apparently, oh, do it. Uh, yeah. Seriously, turn off your ad blocker for once and then just click on the ads a couple times. Like, dude, this, give these guys this some money. site is covered with them. Uh, well, no, because. It's fine. I it's don't, because they whatever. don't get enough in donations. Like they they, they yeah, had put no, uh, captures in front of things for a little while too because there were bots that were using it. And I, I get that, but also these guys need some money, so give them a dollar. They're totally worth giving them a dollar. Uh they're on one fifteen in Sid, man. No, they're no. Oh wait, no, one sixteen. I see one sixteen in. Yeah, but there's one sixteen We're on one sixteen dot two. It it says one sixteen dot zero dash two. So it's not no 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 two. not not dash two dot two. That is the second build I mean, of the one sixteen dot zero dot zero of Firefox. 
there should be a. And how long did it go? Did that come out? Yeah, because look, the ESR is one fifteen dot one dot oh zero. So there's, I think there's a difference. Pretty sure the dot two, uh, dash two dash two is like the second build of it. Like the first one failed, or something, or there was a bug. But aren't these version numbers more? Uh, they compile these binaries themselves, right? So aren't those version numbers more specific to the distribution? Yeah, the, the, after the dash, it just uh... oh right, and that's what the dash is, the dash two. So it doesn't necessarily mean the Firefox is. Third version. So 116.0.2 is Firefox's third iteration of Firefox uh, on the 116 okay. branch. So 116.0-2 is Debian's second iteration of the 116.0.0 branch. That's still fairly up to oh, date, though, and, I think. Right, sure. But it's not up to date. And you know who is up to date? Arch. And Firefox. Uh, and, and Fedora. So... And, well, we expect this kind of thing out of exactly. Arch. and Snapcraft. And so here, here's so back to the original point, which was the reason I used DistroBox is because um, I tried Firefox in Fedora, but I should have known this. But Fedora doesn't come with all those codecs. Uh, Firefox in Fedora doesn't come with all the codecs that you need to run. You know the Disney uh, streaming yeah. service, right? Um, but Arch does arch compiles with all that stuff in there they're not as averse to non-free software as fedora is so in this case i have a batteries included up to date firefox from arch on debian yeah and so i don't have to worry about adding sid and mm -hmm. having to do apt pinning or some kind of weirdness like that um i just installed one from arch and keep that one updated and it's great i think nix so i tried to sorry, i think nix does install the same because they just have one giant channel and does don't split into repos as far as i know right but is there firefox batteries included that is the real question and that's one that i would that's yeah. my challenge to you norbert if you would do me a huge solid install I firefox might. and find out i might because now i'm intrigued but yeah. uh, uh, because the I don't really think about that anymore because just, I'm just using the Flatpak or Firefox everywhere. True. And, and it's, it's the Flatpak is yeah. batteries included. And I just don't like containerized browsers because those, um, like Flatpak Snap, those come with additional baggage and issues that you don't get in a DistroBox slash Nix kind of situation. Um, like with Flatpak, there are times when you would need to use something like FlatHub or the command line to open up things in, in Firefox. For, For instance, yep. Uh, when you download stuff, goes to your downloads folder. The Flatpak itself does not have access to the rest of the system. So you can't like from, you know, slash temp or something like that. You can't drag a file from slash temp into Firefox. It'll be like, Huh? I can't see that directory. That directory doesn't exist. And and it doesn't have to be temp. It can be anywhere else. Basically, anywhere that's not your home, Firefox will not do it. And, well, any app in Flatpak that is properly containerized as a Flatpak will not accept files, drag and drop style or anything else, uh, from directories that aren't your home directory. And I think... We've even gotten to the point now where it's not just your home directory, but directories in... It's very specific directories, yeah. like the downloads folder itself. So, um, 
they, they come with additional package they, that that would require additional configuration. That if you heard my stance on bloat, I just don't want to deal with it. So yeah. Uh, so this is where DistroBox really shines for me because they don't have those limitations. For better or for worse, I understand that Flatpak does it for security reasons, but... Um, and and that's something that's good to have in case of a browser since that's what you, people use the most. Sure, yeah, exactly. And and so I'm not advocating that everybody go out and do it like this. Um, but I'm running on Debian. I needed a new uh, Firefox and uh, I didn't want to deal with the hassle of poking holes in a flat pack or something. Because if I'm going to poke the holes anyway, I'm already risking it. So why not just install something that I don't need to poke the holes in? That's fair. I also had to add additional uh, fire systems in yeah. that seal to Firefox. Yeah. But that, that, that is sort of a set it and forget it stuff. Or just click the one box that says... Everything, uh, yeah. Enable yeah, the did user, you, you yeah, just the click the directory. all? No, no, I didn't... <laughs> Well, why not? I mean, if you would have been apt installed Firefox, it would have yep, access exactly. to it. Yeah, so. exactly. And that's that's exactly kind of where my head's at. You know, had this would have been normally packaged anyway, like like they do in Linux Mint that I use all the time, then it would have the same amount of access. Yeah. So but if it does not use, bother me. If you use Firefox via DistroBox, doesn't it still have access to everything? Because uh, your, yes, your root file system gets a mount point inside the DistroBox. Yes, correct. And that's great because that means I can drag and drop files in the next cloud and not think about it. Which, in my mind, kind of solves the because what I've been looking for the golden goat for me has always been the benefit of containerization. In that, if you need libraries that are something separate from the system, you have that benefit, but not necessarily siloed off from the rest of the system unnecessarily. You know, th there are some things that I want the added security benefit for and i will i will install those yeah. things for and that like, purpose but a browser my my number one yeah. browser i don't need to be siloed off right i i don't trust people way. on Discord. So. like there, there are some channels i'm in that anybody can join there's thousands of people in there there's no telling what kind of creepy crawlies people are going to be trying to share discord flat pack all day i yeah sure yeah but firefox no because this is my way to reach out uh two things Discord is other people's way to reach in to me. So th that can be containerized. I totally agree with that. And if I need to drag and drop something from to Discord or whatever, I don't mind putting it into the downloads folder and then doing it. Yeah. And by the way, if you need the benefit of the complete siloed off containerization, you've got LibreWolf as a flat pack. And that that is the kind of browser that is born for uh, flat pack containerization or or snap to where it's completely siloed off and it's it's got all of the necessary things enabled and all the necessary things disabled and you can you have a more reasonable expectation of security that way you know uh but yeah um, now you know the thing with, i've been having libra wolf and stuff like that man i think a lot of times it's it's uh it's a false sense of security man people people start doing stuff that they normally you still do. gotta watch what like, you do i mean with the, the moment you log into or start behaving the same way that you do on the internet as you do on another right. browser or whatever it's already over like there there is no expectation of privacy on the internet anymore there should be no but there isn't and using you... a browser that will straight up pigeonhole you as other already puts you in a group that that is extremely small. I mean, using Firefox already puts you in that group, right? And then using LibreWolf, which I suppose has to use user agent switching. 
of some kind to make it look just like regular Firefox or even maybe masquerade as Chrome or something like that. But I mean, eh, it lures I think it does people. Look like Firefox. It's like using it's like using Tor. Um, the the Tor uh, what it, the the Tails Tor Tails. browser the the entire operating Tails. system right. Um, it lures people into a false sense of security. Like they'll open up Tor browser and be like, "Oh wow, I'm getting to Facebook through the Onion site," and then logging into Facebook, like, <laughs> no. You know, there is never going to be any substitution for applying a little bit of sensibility to these things because you can obfuscate all of the technology away that you think you can. But in the end, it's still up to you, the user, the the person that partakes in the Internet, if you will. You know, you've got to watch what you do because it is still a Wild West. These tools can help you out, but... Um, if you go, like he, like, like Leo said, if once you log into Facebook, you know, all bets are off. Once you log into anything, all bets now, are off. Uh, uh, because uh, you don't even have to log in, man. Just go to, just go to YouTube, dude. Like your, your behavior is already putting you in a yeah. group. So yeah, you go to YouTube and look up Linux videos. You're already a huge minority. <laughs> I just tried something interesting with Firefox. I created a new directory in the root. So in the root of the of the system and uh, uh, gave on, gave my user ownership. So it's a, it's a directory. I copied an image there. It's a directory that Firefox definitely doesn't have any uh, access to the flatback of Firefox. So if I try to drag and drop that file from, from Dolphin uh, into Firefox, it just says file not found. But if I press Control o in Firefox, which opens up the XDG desktop portal file picker, and I select that file, then it loads. But if I look at the address bar, it's not actually uh, root slash directory right. slash file. It's the portal. It's, uh, slash, it's slash run slash user slash 1000 slash doc slash file name. So it creates a temporary copy of it, and that gets loaded into Firefox. Hmm. Wait, so you did so, not add any any additional permissions to Firefox to do this? No, I did not add any permissions to Firefox. It doesn't have any access to this directory. But if I uh, so if I drag the file into Firefox, it cannot see it. But if I open it via the XDG portal, so Control select the, the, the GTK file picker, then it loads, but not the the file directly. It creates a yeah, temporary yeah. copy of it. Okay. Is it a copy or is it just like it's a like bind? No, it's, it's maybe special permissions. Well, let, let me see. It's in slash run slash user. I would suppose so... hard link. That would. I mean, that way you don't have to use up inodes or space. Oh, yeah. Wait. Uh, CD slash run slash user slash one thousand slash doc and uh, huh? L. Interesting. Is oh wait. It's not there. CD. It's like hashes. Well, right, because uh, you don't want to accidentally like like th this way, you can do the same file again with changes inside, and then it would not be confused. It's like Nix, right? Like uh, installing two different Firefoxes it, side by side in Nix will give you like crazy weird looking paths. But that's how this is working too. It's just creating. It doesn't. It doesn't appear to be a hard link. It's just a simple copy. Just copy the the number in the the one in the when I. Do ls slash lh. Hold on, blow one... alert. Uh, <laughs> right, but does <laughs> that 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 slash run slash whatever you said does that have the same permission structure as what 
you would have doing it the other way. Uh, well, the Seems file so. has the same permissions. I mean, my blocker was just drag and drop files, and Norbert's showing that you can do that in a flat pack. This this changes things a little bit. If if it does work, then I don't have any reason to run it through Distrobox anymore. Yes, but if I delete the original file, the copy remains, oh, I suppose. The copy, the copy. No, it go, it go, it just went away. Oh, so they are linked. Interesting. They're just not links. It's, it's not hard link, but it's some. Right. It's somehow it's aware of the original file. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So I wonder. Wait, I wonder if I change the original file and then press F five in Firefox. Would that? What, uh, yeah. Well, so you said that there was another like hash looking thing. So, or, or the name was hash looking. I would suppose. No, the name is the same. It's just uh, in the inside the directory. The wait, where is it? See, these are the interesting rabbit holes I like to go down. I ain't trying to debloat nothing. But this so if is I fun. go into slash yeah. run slash user slash one thousand slash doc, there's a bunch of uh, gibberish directories. Now, now, if the if the doo doo stories at the front didn't scare everybody off, this is it. This is where we lose the rest of the audience. <laughs> I didn't even get to his uh, last email. Oh, so here. what you're saying I'll is the entire while. episode is feedback. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of looking that way. Um, so I reply. I replied and told him about some of the lore and the job, and he he emailed back saying, "Thanks for the reply. I conjecture that most of my podcast fam mail goes to uh, Dev Null, yeah. or an appropriate synonym for non Linux users. I wonder if it's because of their spam filters." Well, no, uh, C you see, the other life. podcasts have a truck, and in that truck, they put a hole in it that goes down to the road, and that's, <laughs> and that's yeah, where it and, goes. and above that, you're correct, it, it says dev null. I gotta make a hole now and put a, put a, put a, like a little label on it, something slash yeah, dev uh, slash Seriously, null. I mean, if, uh, if I ever had a place that had a bathroom, like a public bathroom or something like that, it, it would just have dev null above it, because that's where everything goes, right? Yes. God, nothing says nerd like oh, yeah. Dev Null above oh, your yeah. toilet. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I hope it's not Dev Random. And then oh, no. if you do that, you gotta put. It's like throwing it up you to gotta, the fan, above right? your front door. You gotta above your front door. You gotta put one twenty seven dot zero dot zero yeah. one. So I just tried something, and it's interesting. I there's a file. Uh, Firefox uh, Flatpak has no access to the directory. I open it in Firefox. It created the temporary the copy in slash run. I edited the original GIMP. I overwrote the file. I pressed F5 in Firefox and it updated the copy itself as well, which is impressive because it, it doesn't appear to be a hard link. Right. It just, it, it just somehow, the XDG portal just knows to keep them in sync. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm curious what is syncing those things. Is it is it something built into XDG portal, or is it is it reaching out and calling to other applications to do that work? Ooh, see, th this is this is my kind of intrigue. Is XDG portal kind of a black box no. piece of technology? No, no, no. Because nobody it's seems to talk window. about it. I don't think anybody... A portal, if you will. Uh... A window. That's a good way to get us behind it. That's right. That's right. I run Windows 98 still. Uh, let me get to this email. For I, I recently uh, started working for a small family-owned truck repair company doing something like IT in semi-rural Colorado. 
This company is 120 people with nine locations across the states. We have a location in Abilene. I don't know what my job is yet. They need me to manage user accounts, hack things, make reports for accounting. I just got permission to start a project to replace our advertising display vendors with Raspberry Pis. I get to, I get to do fun things sometimes. Oh, they're going to figure out a way to fire you. Um, starts downloading three oh, listen, episodes. Listen, so apparently what, what, what you do is don't document anything. And then they can't. No, that's what I was thinking. If you if you use a bunch of Raspberry Pis, don't tell anybody nothing. They won't be able to run this place. And then one day you. those pies explode, because and they'll they be didn't. like, NPR fan, no. And I was just thinking, I hope you're not waiting on them to tell you what your job is, because they don't have a clue. <laughs> you do computers, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, something with them dagamo computers, yep. man. They over there in that yep, room yep. over there. work on microwaves too, right? Uh, okay, I give up trying to hop into Red Hat years ago, mostly because of the SE Linux concept. Why? Just disable it. <laughs> I was confounded by it. Also, I made my display name on a CentOS forum slash Red Hat slash, and I felt the admin was being mean in the way he told me to change it. I was young and really didn't know why it mattered he also said other things that I felt were condescending. Yeah. Since then, I stick to things like De uh, Debian and Ubuntu. SE Linux has, has changed a lot. Um, the the thing that you ran into was that the profile for the software didn't exist, and I suppose the guy that you were talking to was like, "Well, why don't you just write a profile then?" Except SE Linux profiles are actually pretty complex and not at all easy to get into. Um, but you know, the guy had already done all that work. So, you know, he knew and couldn't believe that you didn't. But, uh, now, nowadays, SE Linux has profiles that you can apply that are very easy to do that, um, make your life a whole lot easier and secure up your applications. Uh, so, you know, it's worth another look if it matters to you. If not, then it's just bloat. <laughs> Disable it. How does uh, SE Linux uh, compare to AppArmor in terms of how this profiles? They, they do a lot. Uh, they do work. a lot more things. I'll tell you this: the the U.S. government don't use AppArmor; they use SE Linux. So, if that tells you anything, well, Red Hat's an American company too, and Canonical is a European. Oh yeah, company. I didn't even really think about it like that, but that's that's probably yeah. why. Or excuse huh. me, not European anymore. Uh, so it was originally South African, uh... right? So it's an African company that has, but well, no, it's not, right? Because he, it's English. At, at I did best. the history on Ubuntu. It was it was created Man. in a yes, flat you did. in somewhere in the UK. I can't remember where, but probably Isle of Man. Isle of Man is about the uh, uh, distro yeah. watch lists. Where I think Isle of Man. Isle of oh, Mon. Really? Mon? Is it Where they have Mon? the bike race? Interesting. Yeah. I like their flag. Um, it's got legs on it. That's cool. So I just, I think as far as, you know, the government goes, it's it'd be hard to imagine them going with something like Canonical when they've got Red Hat oh, yeah. right yeah. here. But, oh, and now they've got the know. IBM name back in, uh, which is, I mean, that's another win. I need to finish... I'm going to finish this, and I've got a quick announcement, and then we're going to have to get out of here because i got to get over and start the stream. Have you ever done an entire show table. over just one email? We have. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, I mean, it's it's actually like three or four emails, but it's the same guy. Uh, and he did buy Chipotle, so we got to give him all I mean, the love we can. Um, he goes on to write, I have at least one Proxmox machine running all of the time, and it feels like I have no idea how to use it. Like, I know it's Debian, but, like, there's one terabyte hard drive. I told Proxmox to use half of it, and then somehow it doesn't have space for QCOW or VHD images or something. How do you manage disk assets in this game? I don't know where to find tutorials to learn. Can't take a break from work to attend the official course. How do I learn this thing? I have periodically run my 2004 CAD application on a Windows XP VM. How do I then get the created work out of the XP bottle? Can you just extract the files from QCOW? Is that a thing? Do I have the... Do, do I have to create a virtual network and then click on the Windows share th thing to make a Samba server? I hope this feedback yields value somehow. I just saw Ira Glass in a boulder last night, famous in the context of public broadcasting and journalism. One may have heard of this American life. Oh, yeah. Uh, one piece of advice that I really took to heart was to keep making stuff, no matter how bad I am at it. Oh, yeah. Uh, whatever that stuff is. And so I will persist in making the stuff. I hope all you guys, too, for as long as okay. you like. Two things. Um, and so I've got answers for you for two things. Number one, Proxmox, don't, just don't mess with it. Don't do that. Um, what what happens is if you just choose the default installation of Proxmox, the partitioning, leave it alone. What's going to happen is they're going to create a 100 gigabyte on a one terabyte drive. They'll create a 100 gigabyte partition that will hold the system, which is approximately like five or six gigs. And the rest of it will be available for you to upload ISOs to. Um, the other 900-ish, well, you know, after partitioning 800-something, whatever, the other rest of the disk will be available for you when you create VMs. It is, uh, that 800-whatever-size partition is the default data store. You can, after the installation, go in and add additional disks, but you don't have to. So just accept the defaults or... Um, I don't know. I guess I'd have to see how you because it's all LVM, so it's not like you're stuck. But um, I'd have to see how it's uh, volumed. I was going to say partitioned, because not quite, but volumed to to know where to point you to not have to just blow it away and start over. But I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea. And then on the Windows XP thing, uh, you're talking about the QCow. You can just mount those. Those can be mounted. Uh, I don't remember if there's any kind of special thing you have to do when you mount it. Uh, I will look into that and I'll get back to you on that one. But you can, I mean, QCOWs are, I mean, disks to Linux, so you can just mount them. Um, but I'll, I'll get back to you with specifics if it's harder than just mount it. Yeah, so you can interact with Leo directly. Oh, that's on fine. Yeah, one. you could totally do that too. Um, Hopefully. You could probably hit me at like leo at leochavis.org. I mean, that email works. Oh, there you go, and let us know how that's how that goes for you, because I'd be interested as well. I bring it um, to the show. I won't. I won't hold out. Bring it to the show, and we will talk about it. Okay, so real quick, um, 
I think I've announced this in other places, but I am considering, well, I have been considering, and now I've convinced myself to do it. Uh, I am moving our show from our podcast provider, which is called Red Circle. I'm moving that to archive.org. So what's that mean for everybody? Um, If it includes having to resubscribe to the show, I am against it. Well, that is exactly nope, what it's going to include. I don't to want to do it. Include. However, I am going to create, well, I'm going to upload the show to both platforms for a month or so to, you know, to provide a bit of an overlapping period of time. That way people, you know, might not get the message at first. But uh, there really ought to be a way to. There is. It's not using RSS platforms feeds. that lock you in in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm regretful that I ever set it up that way at this point. I mean, it's fine for for three fat truckers, but but um, so um, there. It's not real clear to me if we even own the content oh. once we put it on. Wait, what? Red no, Circle. no. So it's, what? Why? Well, because it asks you what what you uh want to license the content right but then it's not real clear they don't have any uh they don't come out and tell you that they're not going to use this content for whatever purposes but it's isn't it licensed cc by anyway uh, once it's on the website, well, yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I don't understand. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know what they can do with the copy Literally that they have anything, on their site. As long as they put our name at the bottom. Well, yeah. What's and I, I'm just not comfortable Why? with what? any of that. No, good. I, no, I don't know. No, because if you put it on archive.org under the same license, they can still do that. They can still go and take I it think I, and I do whatever they want they to could, with it. They could, but it wouldn't be that straightforward because you wouldn't be delivering it directly to them. Right, but but what's but the difference? I I think I'm siding more with Leo on this because it's it's already out there. So wait, are they using it for what would they be using it for? I mean, I had to. I had to go out of my way twice to disable the ads. That's and I trash. Have oh wait, they cool disabled that. the they, ads. They re-enabled them. Did yes. they re-enable them, or was it just like and a weird web application thing where you saved it, but it didn't really save, and so you had to go in there and save it again? Don't know. Don't know. Don't care. It. Uh, it the fact that it was not as straightforward as it should be tells me that and and i just i trust archive.org i mean they're getting more. sued into oblivion and right I now know, there's no telling if archive's going to even exist soon yeah into oblivion yeah i suppose i mean but look I mean, if anybody can take archive.org down it's the music business and they are suing archive now aretha franklin but i mean are they trying to take money from 400 them or are they million just trying to get them to how stop much what do you think doing? archive has in cash yeah like five yeah, there Bucks. you go. There you go. They're in the same boat Jimmy Wales is in. If that in. happens, and then Jimmy I, Wales is like. If that happens, then I will create my own server to host these things on. I'm just my. I'm not going to put our content on a commercial platform. I think we should wait a couple more weeks or months. Well, he, he is. He's gonna, he said he's going to post it to both. Yeah. 
I am. I'm going to overlap. Yeah, but They're uh, gonna before, go to before for a while. you even start doing it. Okay. Oh. Uh, Why? If it, if it's over licensing, I, I think it's I think it's too much work. I think that's bloat. I think this is bloat. I mean, do they do I they think, change well, the license? Uh, they, do they cannot license? legally. They cannot do that if they so are doing what that. Is, what is what we can what use the, the six dollars uh, that we have earned in advertisement. CCBYS to, to, to okay. open up the email to the lawyer and say hi, and then that six bucks will be gone. But you know, we could really not like them for it. But I'm th- I'm thinking, what what is the friction point here? Honestly, uh, the only friction losing point is a lot that of you'll have losing the subscribers that we already have, making them do work. And you don't think giving them a company, giving them uh, an overlapping period, is not enough to to sort of uh, I w- I don't want to say cater to that idea, but to give well, them I've, time I've been to in this situation before. get moved over to I the mean, new sort of. Uh, with with my other podcast, uh, we just did not have access to the YouTube. Like, no one knew what the password was. No one, you know, had access to the the recovery methods. Um, so we were just up a creek. And so me and Dan, we we're just like, all right, well, we got to make a new one. But we're not in that boat here. We're we're just in a. No. I don't like it. I don't like Red Circle boat. Well, here's the other thing too. If I if I use archive.org and just and basically what I'm talking about doing is moving to the same process that right. Mintcast uses, where the RSS feed is generated by the website itself. In other words, the the RSS feed will literally be uh, LinuxOTC.org slash you know, and then the hash slash that represents the RSS something. feed. Yeah. Whereas right now our RSS feed is something to the effect of redcircle.com slash uh, and a bunch of stuff after that. It's got nothing to I do understand. with us. We have no control over that. I mean, that, my, my so. feed on Linux user space is, I think you. I, I think we can link it. Uh, we have linked it. And you can link it on the website. You can create a redirect. Was it 301 or something like that? You can make a redirect that takes linuxotc.org slash RSS and it points directly at that red circle gibberish. You can do that. Correct. From the website, And so anybody that types it in or pastes it into a podcast catcher can type exactly that and get redirected to the correct address. So I don't know, man. There's there's internet magic to fix here, to, to fix at least that issue. Yeah, I mean, I would have to... I mean, it's in two places. We're on... uh podcastindex.org and then uh, iTunes which is also which is also a huge commercial platform. Yeah, and we don't so have there's... access to that iTunes. So like yeah. that goes away. And so there will now there I've got the access to the to Oh, you the do? Apple thing. Oh, okay, okay. Cha- cool. Yeah. Cuz I'm the oh, one okay, to set that up. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, well, that's the big one. So changing yeah, changing the indexes is just something that So has wait, to so be what you're done. saying is people on Apple and if we're on Spotify, I don't know. Um, those people will not actually have to change anything, right? No. But if you're not on those platforms, if you sub directly to the RSS, then you will see what what I think we should have done long time ago is uh, done the 301 in the first place, LinuxOTC.org/rss or/feed or whatever. And if it changed, oh, 
okay because in the background it would have changed. The redirect would point to a different spot. And once we've got, I mean, once we've got full control of that RSS feed too, then we can do whatever. Yeah. We now want that with it, so. now that is the argument I, just, I can accept. We finally got there. I can accept yeah. moving the RSS feed because we want full control. That that is fine. But the licensing, well, I mean, nah, moot point. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's worth changing stuff up for that. And, and I suppose if I'm being honest, it is more about. Well, I would say that too because it's I'll stop arguing at that point. And <laughs> yeah, because and I know that. I, I mean, the the ultimate endpoint where I know that I've got full control of the data as well as the That's distribution cool. of it is if I had it sitting on my own server. But the next best thing right now is archive.org because the infrastructure is there to play the Just file. Just say the word. Say the and word. to distribute it's it. free. It's, oh, it's absolutely <laughs> What free. we need to do eventually all is throw get. all that crap into an S3 bucket or something like that and then use object storage to serve it up i mean it would cost but it, it would not strain archive.org but in that case go give archive.org five dollars that would be cool if uh that's and i already do that so i mean we're i don't mind i would rather throw them five dollars than open spin up a oh yeah, yeah, yeah aws yeah. If, if we're doing S3 that three or something I'm, I'm like cool that you know so, but yeah, that once we've got the RSS feed, then we can, it doesn't matter where on earth that file is sitting because that RSS feed will just point you towards to where that file's at. But until we've got, you know, control of that, there it is. Anyway, I got to get out of here. I'm late. We could also uh, uh, spin up a Castapod instance and have that uh, instead of a WordPress. I was thinking, maybe wondering. Okay, so you're saying that, but I mean, we've got yeah. the website. We, you know, you can build that. It's the, uh, it's the what is that? The Blueberry PowerPress uh, plugin is what generates that and plugs it into the website and does all that work for you. So what so, you're I mean, saying is that people who are subscribed by Apple Podcasts, uh, they don't have to switch feeds. No, because you go into but if, if no, I, because I don't you think go they into will. Apple Podcasts and you just change where the feed is. Yeah, and then it'll for example, I'm I'm yeah. using uh, AntennaPod, so as far as I know, it pulls it when I search for a podcast, it looks at both the uh, podcast index and the Apple index. So, and I have no idea how to check which one it used to add my my uh, feed for Linux OTC. Yeah. It just says feeds. dot com slash bunch of stuff. Anyway. Send us feedback on uh, if this is going to piss you off or not. Yeah, let us know what you think. Until then, I've been Bill. I've been Norbert. I am still Leo. Ugh. <laughs>